Welcome to the Click for More Customers podcast. Your host is Ted Prodromo, best-selling author of The Ultimate Guide to LinkedIn for Business and Ultimate Guide to Twitter for Business. Ted is recognized as America's leading LinkedIn coach, helping you grow your business while living the life of your dreams. Hey, welcome everybody. It's Ted Pedromo and this is Social Selling TV. You can see this episode and past episodes at socialsellingtelevision.com. And today I have a special guest, a local person, John Corcoran. And I've been following John for years online. And then one of our mutual friends introduced us to each other, Susan Rowan, and she's the queen of networking. Yes. So I'm so glad she introduced us. And another local. Yes, another local. We have yeah. coffee together frequently. Yeah. There's not many of us here in Marin. <laughs> no, no. We live in a small community, about 275,000 people just outside of San Francisco. And your town is about 10,000 people. My town's about 10,000 people. So it's, but uh, it kind of relates to what we were going to talk about, right? Like finding your communities. Right. Exactly. And it's, everybody's just figuring out how they want to find that community. They want the easy sales, it seems like. They don't want to work for it. <laughs> and they, we used to go, I don't know if you ever joined BNI or the Chamber of Commerce. We those meetings every week. Yep. Yep. I've been to my fair share of Chamber of Commerce meetings and your general watering hole networking events, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And what was your experience with that? Well, I mean, you know, um, I look back now and I realize that it wasn't the most effective use of your time. It's like cold calling. Yeah, it'll work eventually. You place enough dials, right? But there's only so many hours in a day that you have, you know, and there's a lot more effective means of targeting. And so why, why bother with that, you know? What I've found is it's kind of like trying to find a needle in a haystack, you know? You're a professional, you're out there, you're trying to find that exact right person for you, that client that you're going to serve or that market, that target market. And when you go to some general type of meeting, which a lot of us do, then it's just so difficult to find that right person, you know? And oftentimes your time is better spent really targeting zeroing on zeroing in on what's the organization or what's the event that I could uh, immerse myself in that would be a better use of my time. Even if it means flying across the country once a year to a conference that's going to be a lot more concentrated group of my exact right target market rather than every month. It seems like it's not that big a deal every month. Oh, it's just across town. I don't have to fly across country. It's just across town. I'll go every month, but it really adds up in terms of time and, and lack of effectiveness. Um, well, a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot I better. And I was once a week, you had to go for a two hour meeting. Mm. Then you had to meet with everybody in the group once a quarter. So you were spending, I was spending like eight to 10 hours a week on BNI. Wow. So it was a lot of time commitment for not a lot of great business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm, um, I've had, uh, Dr. Meisner, the founder of BNI in my podcast a while back, very nice guy. And, but yeah, it is, a, it is a time commitment. I mean, I'm sure it can work for some businesses for the right businesses, you know, using a model like that. Um, but if you, as you, Distill down and you know what your target market is and you should be focusing in on that, not just anyone and everyone or anyone with a pulse, you know, you should be focusing in on target market. Um, then you can start pursuing it. You know, for example, like let's say your market is chiropractors, you know, yeah, you could go to a general networking meeting or a chamber of commerce meeting and just tell everyone I serve chiropractors. Do you know any chiropractors? You know, or you could even join the local chapter. 
But there's actually a, a, there's a conference every year. I just heard about it recently in Las Vegas. I think it's in February or March. That's 10,000 chiropractors all at one conference, all at once. Now, imagine that. You go to that conference over two days. That, w- that could feed you for the year, right? You know, right. I mean, if that's the market that you're looking for, you know, it's a lot more effective use of your time. So would you recommend like even sponsoring a booth if you went to a convention like that? I mean, that would be awesome. You can do that. You can do that. Um, I'm, uh, I'm mixed on booths because sometimes some people say it's really effective for them. Um, other times it's not because you're in a sea of 100, 300 other booths and you're just trying to get people's attention and other times, you know, you're just not getting the right person for you. What I'm a bigger fan of is um, doing some kind of workshop or presentation or concentrating in a deliberate way the people that you want to meet so that it's a more effective use of your time. Now, that could mean doing like a dinner or a cocktail reception or something like that. Um, I do this frequently. Anytime I go to a conference, I will put, bring together a group of people. And it's as simple as this. You just try and like find out who's coming, you know, reach out to a couple of people and say, hey, let's get together and do a lunch or a dinner or something like that. Now, I start off doing that. And eventually, we move to more advanced things like doing receptions. And earlier this year, we did a, we, we were going to a conference and we were going to have a dinner and we ended up, you know, having a number of people at that. And then we joined forces with another group of people who were going to do a dinner. And pretty soon we had too many people for a dinner. So we decided, all right, well, we'll do like a reception. It got bigger and bigger. Eventually we had over 300 people coming to this reception. And now just, just yesterday, someone was telling me how you know, John, I met you through that event and I, you were really on my radar screen after that happened because of that reception that you put together. So you become the hub, you become the connector and other people start elevating you, holding you up on, on kind of a pedestal, which can even be better than actually, you know, um, being one of a hundred speakers at a conference that they have a lot of different, uh, conferences, but anyone can do that. You can do that with a little dinner. And then the other thing I'll recommend is doing some kind of workshop. Now, you can approach the conference organizers and see if you can do some kind of workshop or training or something like that. Sometimes the timing won't work. Sometimes it's difficult to get in there. But you still have a concentrated group of your target market that's right there. It's like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm droning on here. but Oh, no, it's, no. It's like recently, so I got three young boys, and I've been trying to teach them some entrepreneurial lessons. And recently, so my oldest son is a little obsessed with money. He likes making money. So we decided to do a lemonade stand. Now, we could do a lemonade stand just on our corner of our street, and eventually someone will come by, right? right? But no, that's not what we did. In my town, you know my town, we've got a ferry. People take the ferry to and from work. So I said, we're doing it by the ferry. So we went down and we set up our, our lemonade stand by the ferry. When a ferry of people came off, there's the nice cold lemonade. you got a concentrated group of people. So do the same thing when you go to a conference. You can do a workshop or something like that before, the day before, or outside of it or something like that. Um, and I've even approached conference organizers and said, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a dinner or a workshop and I'm doing it because I'm excited about coming to the conference. And so that way they know that you're not trying to undermine them or take people away. And I want to create more excitement around it for the people who are coming. And we want more people to come because what ends up happening is we end up getting people who come 
to our workshop or to our dinner and then they buy a ticket to the conference, which is really what the conference organizers want. They want more people coming. Right. So you can actually be in collaboration with them rather than, you know, butting heads with them. But that's, uh, I think that can be more to get back to your original question, which was around um, whether to rent a booth. I think that that could even be a more effective strategy and it allows you to stand out a little bit more than just putting a booth, writing a check and doing a booth and standing there and giving people free pens. Right. Cause most of the time people are in the conference and they just kind of come out for breaks and yeah, exactly. They're like, Oh cool. A free pen, a free sticker, a free bumpers, whatever, you know? No, I watched so what it, you did with that conference. Cause it was like 3000 people at the conference. So for right. you to get 300 people to come to your event, it's hard to get 300 people to come to your event. But. Well, yeah, yes and no. But here, here's the thing is um, oftentimes if it is a conference, a lot of times conferences start in the morning. They, they don't do anything the evening before. So the ideal time to do a dinner or a, a reception like that oftentimes is the evening before if nothing else is yeah. planned because Oftentimes you get people that get into town the afternoon before and then nothing has started. And so they're looking for something to do. Yeah. And that's what happened with us. And we kind of got past a critical point where we had enough people coming. And then it got to the point where just like people were emailing us saying, I heard about this. We'd like to come to it. You know, how can I get a ticket to it? Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking was, if you just tried putting put on a standalone event with 300 people. Impossible. Really yeah. difficult. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, that's a great point. Like you can, a lot of times people beat their head against the wall trying to do a dinner or something in their hometown or in their city. And even if it's a big city and you and I live outside of San Francisco, San Francisco is a big city. You know, if we did a dinner or reception, yeah, you can get people to come, but 300 people is really challenging unless you're doing it around a conference where there's a concentrated group of people. There's a lot of people coming and they're looking for something to do. And they're also, and this is not an insignificant reason why this works, but they're paying a couple thousand dollars to be there. Yeah. And so what's another hundred, 200 bucks for a ticket to come to a reception where they're going to be some a real concentrated group of people that they really want to get to know. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and so last point on this is w even with the dinners that you do the evening before a reception, before a conference or during a conference or something like that, I've been able to get speakers, keynote speakers to come out to these dinners, even though who the heck am I? Because the reason, the reason that this can work is because you start to get like, maybe you invite one speaker and then you invite another speaker and pretty soon, they want to come not because of you, but because of the other people that you've gathered together. And then pretty soon you find, and this is what I found, is like you're getting to go to a party that you wouldn't even merit an invitation to because right. you put it together, you know? And that's the best type of event to create. Right. And you yeah. weren't in it to make money. You were just trying to build a community, get some go things going, and then right. the business followed after. Yeah, it mostly opens up opportunities. I mean, if it's a social thing like a dinner or a reception, not a workshop, then you're not going to stand up in the middle of the thing and be like, you know, who's, buy my stuff, right? You know, on the other hand, I've done, you know, dinners where we do go around the room and say, what can you use help with? And I think that's great. If you cultivate the right environment and then you encourage everyone to do it, you know, what do you need? What do you need? And, and encouraging everyone to do that with one another, then it creates this environment and this culture where people want to help each other. And then, you know, that's going to flow to you as well. Yeah. So what other tips do you have? That sounds like an awesome way to get a lot of people that could fill your calendar for the year. Of plants. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny looking back on it now. It was about seven months ago that we did the reception with 300 people. And um, I look back and, you know, you want to continue communicating with them. You don't want to just let the ball drop on that. So, you know, we've continued to communicate with them from time to time, you know, not you know, or hitting them over the head or anything, mostly inviting them to other things that we're doing. Like we did, you know, in that case that, that, uh, with that conference, people lived all over the country. So we, since that point, we've done events in Chicago, we've done events in New York, we've done events in Santa Barbara, San Diego. And so I've sent out emails just about those things in case there's anyone nearby or they happen to be in those cities at that time. Um, so yeah, it's good to, to continue to communicate with them. Um, what else in terms of relationship building? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, what am I, what else am I excited about? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about webinars. Webinars are, are have always been a great tool for me. Yeah. I view, I view webinars as, you know, a, a virtual relationship building tool. Um, I'm also excited about podcasting and interviews in general, what you're doing here right now, you know, um, uh, the, the term I've used for it is the industry leader profile strategy. When you interview someone, when you profile them, whether it's for a video interview like we're doing here, whether it's for a podcast, which is an audio, with, whether it's just you know interviewing someone and transcribing it and putting it on a blog or putting it on LinkedIn or putting it on Medium or something like that, you're elevating that person. You're promoting their business. You're giving to them. Yeah. And then people naturally turn around and they feel a bit of an indebtedness and out of a spirit of reciprocity, the great book, um, uh, what's the name of the book by Cialdini, yeah. uh, Influence by Cialdini Influence. talks about the principle of reciprocity and how powerful that is. And people want to reciprocate when you do something nice for them. And so, um, you know, profiling people in, in an interview um, is, is a great way to do that and to inspire that. So, it sounds um, like you're like planting seeds all over the internet in different formats <laughs> and you're not expecting them to return in, on your investment right away. Well, they're complementary to one another. So, you know, um, you can't just, I'm a big believer. You can't just restrict yourself to your, you know, spare bedroom and spend your whole time on, you know, tweeting and expect that to turn into business. So, you know, it, it, there's nothing, there's no quite sub, not, no quite substitute for face to face for, for building relationships. Mm-hmm. But we're moving into this interconnected world where your clients, depending on what you do, if you're a local flower shop, your clients are probably down the block. But for a lot of what people do is we've moved into a knowledge-based economy. Your clients can be worldwide, which means that you're, we're, we've got interconnected relationships with people who live all over the globe. And so, you know, using tools like um, interviews using tools like a webinar to communicate with a global audience. In many ways, those two tools have replaced the um, local coffee that you get with someone or cup of tea or the local lunch that you get with someone or the local lunch and learn that you go to where you connect with a group of people. And it allows you to elevate yourself, your profile and your business. And so I think they're all complementary to one another. Um, I think going to concentrated locations, whether it's a conference, a meetup, a, uh, or a group, a organization that has a, a regular meeting, uh, and finding your concentrated target demographic, your market, I think that's crucial, building relationships with them, and then taking that relationship further, and using something like a profile, like an interview, allows you to take that relationship further. So let's say you meet someone at a conference, 
well, you don't want to let that relationship drop. You want to take it further. You want to go and, and nurture that a little bit further. So right. I think they're all kind of complementary with one another. It's like our friend Susan Rowan says, it's all about building that relationship. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Networking with people, helping people, sharing good information. Yeah. Selling too early. And, right. And one of the mistakes that people make is that selling too early, you know, not building up enough trust. Um, as we've moved from, you know, a completely offline world, you know, when we didn't have the internet 25, 30 years ago, um, to a more interconnected world where more of what we do is, um, is becoming deeper and deeper. We're in our email inbox. We're on social profiles. We're using tools like LinkedIn to connect with people. And people forget that it is, you, you need to be, your online presence needs to be a reflection of your offline presence. And a lot of people understand that when you meet someone face-to-face, you're not going to immediately pitch them on your product or service. You're not going to immediately be like, hey, can, you know, what time are you available next Tuesday? You want a Tuesday at two o'clock so I can meet with you to talk, talk to you about the life insurance that I want to sell you? Right. You know, people are like, whoa, hold on a second, buddy. But for some reason, a lot of times people do that, um, you know, when it comes to their online presence or emailing someone or something like that. And it's just the wrong approach. It's a lot more effective to give, give, give. And then once you built up that trust um, to turn it around and ask. Yeah. So I just had an interesting interview just before our interview. I met a woman on LinkedIn. Recently, LinkedIn now has this live video feature like Facebook Live. Nice. And you can mm-hmm. also post videos, upload videos right into your profile. Mm. I came across her. She posted this like headshot video and she's like, starts talking and she starts like being really vulnerable and like just going on and on and thinking, this is not going to be right for LinkedIn. This is just not right. I got sucked into this video. She talked for seven and a half minutes. And she told this story about as a child growing up and she got sent to France for school and then she came back to London and they started bullying her. And she told this whole story. It had like 250,000 views and like over a thousand comments within 24 hours. Wow. It was like, holy crap. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) So I interviewed her and just, you know, what did you do? So well, that's the first time I ever did that. I I was scared to do it. I was afraid, afraid to do video. So a friend challenged her to do it. Uh huh. Wow. Like just showing that vulnerability and authenticity. She said she yeah. had so many new clients. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, You're I think she's authentic she, as hell too. You share stories about you and your kids and your family, and I think that's yeah. so much deeper. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is um, there's a place and a purpose for all of it. And um, you always have to remember to connect it back to the market that you are serving. So there's plenty of things that happen with my kids that just, yeah, I can tell stupid stories all day long. And people be like, I don't understand. What does that have to do with anything? You know, so I, you know, I, I cherry pick which stories I, I tell. And, you know, it's good to be vulnerable, I think. It's good to be a little honest. You know, people like to know that you've got warts and all. They relate to you that way. Um, you know, I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Um, but sometimes, and I think everyone, maybe you, you, you can recognize this, sometimes you put off the wrong impression. So, you know, I, early in my career, I was a writer in the Clinton White House. And that's a part of my story, one part of my story. 
And sometimes I would lead with that. I would tell that. And people had, I remember getting this email from this guy, Kevin, who said, hey, John, you know, I don't feel like I can relate to you because I feel like you're this guy who's just given every opportunity and you didn't have to work really hard for it. Wow. And frankly, my father was laid off three times when I was great, when I was, when I was um, growing up. My family had moved 3,000 miles away every time that happened. We had to pinch and save pennies to get by. We were never homeless, but it, we really did struggle. And I know what that's like. And I've been laid off. I've lost my job. I know what struggle is like. And I, and I'm, I f consider myself relatable. I want people to feel like I can sit down and have a beer with me. I don't want people to feel like this is a guy who's up on a pedestal and never had to work a day in his life. And so that struck me to the core. It was like, oh man, geez, I do not want that, that, you know, people to be reacting that way. So as far as being vulnerable goes, I think that it's important to share those elements of your story so that people know that they can relate to you you know, then they're more likely to trust you. So then I changed after I got that email from that guy, Kevin, I changed the way I told my story. And I explained the, the elements about my, my father getting laid off as a kid and what it was like for my family. And that that in, in part was a big inspiration for why I realized the importance of building relationships, why I placed such a premium moment, why I put so much effort into it. And fortunately, why it paid off well for me in my career and gave, give some examples of that, which then establishes social proof and demonstrates that you know what you're talking about, but not without leave, not with leaving an impression that you're someone who just, you know, has gotten everything handed to you in life, you know, in right. which case people wouldn't relate to you and they wouldn't feel like that you can help them in their struggles. So it comes across in your emails you send out to your list. You got, it's like you're having a conversation with one person each time. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, try hard to make it seem like that. Yeah. Yeah. You do a great job because it's, it's like you're telling a little story and you're talking to me like we're talking right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a big sales pitch every day like some of these guys do. <laughs> yeah. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a balancing. Everyone has to find kind of that right, um, what that right tone is for you, you know? And sometimes I think, people don't even realize that it's completely off. Like sometimes you see, to use like Twitter as an example, I can think of some people that you look at their Twitter stream and it's just like promoting me and me and me and this is my thing and this is my other thing and this is my other thing. And Chris Brogan's a good example. The author speaker, Chris Brogan's a really good example of how not to do that. He does an amazing job of promoting other people. And if you look at his social stream, um, on any platform, probably, because this is kind of what he does. Um, it's not like 5% promoting others and 95% promoting his own stuff. It's probably much more like 70%. I don't know what the breakdown is, but it's probably more like 70% promoting others and maybe 30% sharing content that he's created and some offers of his own. Yeah. And that's why, you know, someone like that gets people feel, feel, people feel very connected to him because he, you see him out there helping others and that really comes through in what he does. He actually has conversations with people on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool to see that. It's yeah. An amazing. It's an amazing tool for that sort of thing. Yeah. I think Twitter is his main focus, obviously, but yeah, he, he's yeah. a great one to follow for a good example of that. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So kind of stepping back a little bit, I know you are really big on mapping out your whole funnel too. Like, 
you're not doing this just for fun. You're, you have a strategy to <laughs> take people down a path. Right, Can right. Can you talk about that a little? Sure, yeah. So one um, exercise. So I, 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 um, yeah, I was a practicing attorney for years, and then I started um, Smart Business Revolution, which is my online home for a long time. It's a blog mm-hmm. and a podcast and sharing advice on how to build relationships in business. And then over my shoulder here, Rise25 is my current business that I started with business partner Jeremy Weiss. And we help people from professional services to shift away from trading hours or dollars and move more towards having a leveraged business that has offerings that are leveraging their time. So it's not just slicing their time up into hours of the day and selling it off to the highest bidder, which is what a lot of people do in service professions. And um, so one of the things we try and get people to do is to figure out what their product ladder looks like and to create different offerings. And that requires often a radical realignment and rethinking of what it is you do, what value you bring to the marketplace, who your real real market is, what you're serving them with, and how you can help them in escalating deeper and deeper ways so they get better and better results. And a lot of people don't ever think those things through. They, They start and they stop at, okay, I'll slice up my hour and I'll charge them this, you know, and then that's where it ends rather than thinking about better and better results. Question I often ask people is, well, if someone wants to continue, they want more of you. If they really, really like working with you, they want more of you, what can you give them? And if the answer is, well, they can just keep on working with me, then you're missing an opportunity for them to get a deeper result. And you're also missing an opportunity for your business to do better financially, which allows you to reinvest back into your business, which allows you to help more people get better results. And so we help people through that process of, you know, what are your offer? What is your low level offer? What's your medium offer? What's your high level offer? And a lot of people, especially in service professions, all they have is the high level offer. You know, they, I call it the big bag of money problem. You've got this offer that's expensive and people, prospects are coming to you. Maybe they come from a referral or whatever. And they're not sure it's going to work. And they're not sure if you're the right guy for them. And maybe someone else can do it cheaper. And what if it doesn't work? What if this person just takes my money and runs away? And that's a real problem if they've never bought from you before. So when you think about it, the really good businesses, they develop a product ladder. You know, like if you go into a Starbucks, any Starbucks, if you're going into a Starbucks for the first time, you know, you're not gonna, probably not going to buy a $1,000 espresso machine off of the wall, even though they have them there, you know? Right. But you might risk it with a $2 cup of coffee. And the next time you might buy a $5 latte. And the next time you might buy a bag of beans and you're working your way up. And then eventually you've got enough trust for this brand and this business where you're like, okay, you know what? I think I could, you know, I don't want to wait in line anymore. I'm going to buy the $1,000 espresso machine. I'm going to get this coffee at home. Exactly. But it doesn't start there. Yep. You got to warm them up. You don't just <laughs> give yeah. me your credit card. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right yeah. Yeah. And there's so many ways that you can leverage your time in a smarter way now so that you're not stuck doing, doing this stuff actively in a present way yourself. You know, I remember years ago I was working for this small little law firm down in Silicon Valley and we had this woman come in who in retrospect was not a good prospect. And she came in, she sat down, she had a list of questions she wanted to ask us. And they weren't questions around like whether we would work together. They were substantive legal questions. Like, 
in retrospect, she just wanted to do it all herself. She wanted to milk that time as much as possible for answering as many questions as she could so she could try and just go figure it out herself or hire some other lawyer. And she just went, took us through all that at the end. And we, we went way too long on it. It was like an hour and 15 minutes, hour, 20 minutes. She's still peppering us with questions. And, and we're like, okay, we're just kicking her out because we realized that it was a complete waste of our time. And imagine how much time is wasted doing stuff like that, you know? When really what you're doing in that interaction is you're trying to see if they have a trust for you and they're trying to determine if you can solve their problems. And if you can create content and share, share material in a leveraged way that is consumed by not just one person one-to-one, -one, but a larger group of people, it's a much smarter use of your time and it can achieve the same desired result as what you're trying to achieve when you're just sitting across the table from someone, which is, am I the person for you? Do I know enough where I can solve your problems? That's what they're ultimately assessing. And then, you know, maybe you can do a 10 minute conversation instead of an hour long conversation for them to, you know, just get, get over the last little hump together. If they consume enough of your content, they get to know, like, and trust you. So that conversation is 10 minutes and they hire you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that is what, um, in my legal career, I don't practice law anymore, but when I was practicing law, what, after a number of years of putting time and effort into that and, and putting a lot of content out there, um, then I got to that point where I could do a 10 minute call with someone and it was just the final getting them over the, you know, the final, the finish line, you know, and that's a much better efficient use of your time because everyone complains about not having enough hours in the day. It's the number one thing people complain about. Like oh, there's not enough stuff, time to get all this stuff done. Yeah. That requires that you're smart about how am I using my time and how can I use it in a more leveraged way? And so hopefully these things will give people some ideas on how you can do it. Then it all comes back to that lifestyle. Like if you want to spend more time with your family, you have that time or whatever right. your choice of lifestyle is. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it is, but you should, you should be able to make that decision. Um, and you know, it just, it just requires some rethinking of like, how am I using my time? How can I, um, how can I achieve the same desired result with my time? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, this has been great, John. I mean, you shared some incredible insights here in a lot of different variety of ways. Awesome. How can great. people get in touch with you to learn more about you? Sure. So um, rise25.com is uh, the website or smartbusinessrevolution.com. Um, that product ladder template that we were talking about that we take people through. You can download that. If you go to rise25.com, there's a, um, a copy of it there. You can download it and you can fill it out yourself. Um, and yeah, I'd love to help anyone if anyone needs any other help. So, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely go to his site and download that and get on his list. Cause he has great emails. He sends out regularly. He teaches, he shares a lot. And thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ted. Hey, thank you. Thanks everyone. We'll talk soon.